Turn in your Bibles to Revelations chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of those of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall come, shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask His blessings over the Word today. Father, I come to You once again, Lord, and I just I want to thank You for Your presence that we feel in this place right now. Lord, I just ask that as we go into this Word, Lord, that You would anoint me to speak as I ought to speak. You'd help me to say the things that that I ought to say and to get myself out of the way, Father, and just let Your Word go forth and nothing else. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Last week we started this uh, series, if you want to call it that. Uh, I'm not real big on doing those kind of things, but I feel like this is what God would have us to to cover right now and we're talking about the seven churches and last week we talked about the church of Ephesus this church at Smyrna uh, was being persecuted and tried for their faith in Christ and if you'll look back in history you you read a little about how the early Christians were persecuted you'll see that there was many ways that different ways they were tortured and killed and and uh made fun of and and everything you can imagine. A lot of ways sometimes that they were tortured was um, some some way to shame them, something to draw, make a public spectacle out of them. Um, so this church was that Jesus is talking about here and that He's telling John to send this letter to was going through some of those things. And you notice that this church is a little different from the church of Ephesus because he didn't point out anything that they were doing wrong. That doesn't mean that they didn't have problems. But the the focus that he wanted to impart to this church and I believe to today's church is that there's going to be trials and tribulations. But there's one very common factor you'll see amongst all the seven churches that we look at. It's, it's the overcomers that receive the reward. You see, we're all, as Christians, gonna, we're gonna face trials and tribulations. J- Jesus never promised us that when we come to Him, that that was the end of it and you were just gonna be, uh, everything was gonna be hunky dory and perfect. No, in fact, you'll see there in that verse, verses that we just read, He says, uh, you're gonna endure some things. You're gonna suffer some things. He said, but I, what I want you to do is, is keep your focus and remember I'm on your side. Remember that when you get through them, and you will get through them, there's going to be a reward. 
Now, what is this reward? I want you to notice that every church we we cover, some of them may be a little harder to understand because of the symbolism that's used. But I want you to understand that all of the rewards he talked about is eternal life. He never promised you riches and, and fame and fortune on this earth. Some preachers may tell you that if you do everything just right, you ought to be just rolling in money. No, that ain't the way it works. You know, I've seen people all my life, some of them that, that seem to do everything right, but they don't have hardly nothing. So, you know, some people are just blessed in different ways. What Jesus was pointing out to him, he says, I know thy works in tribulation and your poverty. And then in parenthesis, what does it say? But thou art rich. Because he knew, he knew what their intent of their heart was. He knew what kind of works they had done. He knew what they were trying to do. And it was because of that that they were rich. See, worldly riches are not everything. In fact, they don't even measure up. They don't, they're not even on the scale when you begin to look into the riches that God has to offer from His kingdom. But I, what I want to focus on today is enduring. How many of you have ever been through a trial? You ever felt like maybe you were uh, persecuted or ostracized before being a Christian? Maybe have you ever have you ever been in a situation and you thought, God, why is this happening to me? You know, some of the times that that's happened in my life was when I thought I was at my strongest point. When I thought I was just everything I was doing was perfectly lined up with God. And then something would come along, I'm like, God, why? I mean, I'm doing it all right. What? A, why would this come now? But what you need to understand is a lot of those trials and tribulations come from God. Because listen, it's the struggle that causes you to grow. It's the struggle that prepares you for war and battle. You don't, you don't get prepared for war and battle when, when you're just sitting around on the couch. No, you've got to get up and do something. You've got to, listen, when they send soldiers to battle, they don't send them without first preparing them. And if you're a soldier and you're about to go into war against this other group of soldiers, who would you rather fight? Some old salty veterans that have been fighting battles left and right? Or would you rather fight somebody that just come from the house and hadn't been doing anything for the past couple of years? You know, I'm not trying to put down any uh, National Guard or Army Reservist or anything. Because they're vital to this country, but I'm going to be honest with you. I would a whole lot rather fight somebody that trained once a month than somebody that trained every day. And the point I'm trying to make to you today is that we need to learn to glory in tribulation like the Apostle Paul says. Because it's those kind of struggles, it's those battles that we come in contact with that causes us to dig a little deeper and to lean on God a little more, and to look into Him for our strength, and and to grow as a Christian. You may think everything is going wonderful in your life, 
But if you're not seeing a time that you have to face Satan, you don't yet know how, how good things are going. Because until you encounter Him and you have to stand and fight, you don't know how strong you are. And when you face Him the first time and, and you get knocked flat on your rear end, and you say, man, I need some help. Imagine that. Having to lean and depend on God for something. That's what this church needed to hear from Jesus. Look, you're doing things right. But you've got to... You've got to just endure. Because see, it's the overcomers that receive the reward. It's the ones that make it through to the other side without giving up. That don't mean you're going to conquer and and be victorious every time. What it means is that when you do get knocked on your rear end, you get up and you keep pushing. You just just look look Satan in the face and say, you're not going to win this thing. You may win one every now and then, but I know how the end of the story goes and we win the war. You may win a battle. You may get a little victory here and there, but I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus Christ, I will overcome. But listen, that don't happen... By saying fancy words. You see, you can get up in front of people and say everything that sounds right. But when the things really come into your life and you really have to fight, that's where you see the true qualities in people. And you know, it's not just about the qualities that each one of us has. But it's where we turn when times get tough. You know, these things that Satan brought against these people at this time really did nothing to deter those people at Smyrna. And I want you all to If you ever get an opportunity, look back at some of the history. You'll see that, in fact, the persecution of the church had the opposite effect. You've heard people say many times that if it weren't for the persecution of the church, they may not have ever spread like they did. But you know, it's not just the spreading, it's the growing. Like I just told you, it's the struggle. Knowing there's something to fight against. I think probably the the smartest move Satan ever made was to let us feel comfortable. When when he lets you when he gets you so comfortable that you let your guard down before you know it you're just ate up with sin and you don't even remember how it started. That that's that's the best form of attack he ever came up with. And you know there's a whole lot of Christians today that are comfortable there's a whole lot today that, that are complacent. And let me tell you something about complacency. That is a surefire way to not win a victory. You think, well, I don't, I don't feel any, any struggles right now. Everything seems to be going good. Well, it's probably because He don't need to attack you. It's probably because... The battle's been won with you. It may be because you don't present a threat. 
But you get on the front lines. You step out there and start trying to serve God like you ought to serve God and start struggling and, and working and toiling, I guarantee you you're going to feel a tag. You're going to feel it from every side. People that you used to think were your friends are going to attack you. You know, sometimes we don't, uh, sometimes we don't realize how deep Satan's holds are on people. Sometimes they don't realize. And before you know it, they've allowed Satan to, to use them. That comes from complacency. It comes from being comfortable. There's nothing wrong with comfort in this life until it gets in the way of you and God. When you, when you get to the point where you'd rather be comfortable than serve Him. You know, we don't have this problem in this church today because I saw everybody standing. Everybody was willing to stand and, and sing along and praise God. But have y'all ever been in a church where there's some people that just say, oh, I'd rather just sit here right now. This, this seat's a whole lot more comfortable than standing up is. But you understand that it's not the comfort level at that point that's important. It's the worship of God that is important. And you know, when you come to that realization, you realize it don't matter if I'm uncomfortable for a few minutes because it's Him that I want to exalt and lift up. I desire His presence in this place more than I desire my comfort. So you see, comfort is not a bad thing, but it's when you allow it to come between you and God. When it becomes more important. Many of our trials and tribulations, as I've already said, come directly from God. His desire is to build us into something that, that He can use that's effective. Think about that for a minute. Are you an effective weapon? Yes, weapon. You know, there's not a lot of emphasis put on a war that's going on. But I'm here to tell you today that Paul talked about spiritual warfare. He said we don't battle against flesh and blood. But spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, there is spiritual wickedness in abundance in this little small town. I'm not even going to address the national situation today. I'm talking about Kennard, Texas. There is spiritual wickedness in abundance. So if you think you're not in a war, maybe you're not. But there is a war going on. Nonetheless, the war rages. The war is, is at your doorstep. Every time you turn the TV on, there's a war going on, whether you'd like to know it or not. And every time we comfortably sit by and allow one more thing to come in, He's taking another step. He's, he's winning just a little bit more ground. Now, we have the, the choice in our life. Just as these people at the church of Smyrna had, Jesus spoke to them and He said, you've got to endure. 
Enduring does not mean sitting and waiting for everything to go by. No, in order to endure, you've got to be struggling. In order to overcome, you've got to be doing something. You've got to be trying to gain back ground. Overcoming, what does that mean? What does the word overcome mean? It's not just about conquering. That's part of it. But enduring is is a big part of it too. It's the overcomer, like I just told you, that, that Jesus gives the reward to in all seven churches He talked to. It's the overcomer. Second Timothy 4 and 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. You see, He's coming for people that love Him. People that are looking for Him. People that desire to see Him come. You know, there's a whole lot of fear based around the book of Revelation. You see people all the time, oh man, that book scares me. I don't even want to read it. Well, it shouldn't scare you. If you know who you are in Jesus, it shouldn't scare you. Because see, what Jesus is telling these churches is those that overcome are going to receive eternal life. Those that overcome are not going to taste the second death. It didn't say you wouldn't die. It didn't say you wouldn't ever be hurt. But there's a difference in dying in this world and and dying the second death. So you see, it's the overcomers. Those that are really desiring to see God's will accomplished, not only in your life, but in this world. Listen, this country is going downhill. It's on a downhill slide. I think I do believe in praying that God will put the right people in office. But I want y'all to understand that that may not be the person you want. It may be that His will for the person that's going to be in office is the worst thing for this country. That don't make sense, does it? But when you begin to read Revelation, and you begin to see how things in this world are going to transpire, you realize that things may not go the way that we would like them to. You understand that God's will is going to bring everything to a head. So remember that when you're praying. Remember that when you're seeking God. Because see, it's His will that we want. We read a scripture this morning in Sunday school that says, Lean not unto that own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct thy paths. See, it doesn't matter what I understand about things. It doesn't matter what... My little feeble mind can can comprehend because I know the one in charge. And see, when I place my faith in Him, what I understand about things becomes irrelevant. Because I can just say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know where my money's going to come from to pay my bills. I don't know how my children are going to do in school. I don't know how all that is going to work out. 
but I know who you are. And listen, there's another verse that says, I am persuaded that He is able. See, when you're persuaded that God is able, and you know that He is on your side, the Word says, if He be for you, who can be against you? And when you begin to stand on those kind of promises, listen, those are promises. You've got to know those promises. You've got to get a grip on the Word. If you don't know them, you need to find them. Because when the time comes and you've got to stand and fight, you better have some Word to back it up. It's the Word that we used to fight with in spiritual warfare. You can walk up and try to hit Satan all day and it ain't going to do any good, but wear you out. Because it's the Word that you use as your spiritual weapons. The Word tells us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit. It's the Word that's going to help you endure. And it's going to help you overcome. If we continue to strive... You know, Paul said something about striving. He said, I don't count myself to have attained, but I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Even till his last days, he struggled. He was in prison a lot. You know, hard times like that teach you how to, how to lean on God. When you ain't got no hope, He's the only place you can turn. Sometimes we forget that. It seems like when everything starts going right in my life, I start leaning on my own understanding. Well, I got this, man. I can handle it. Don't, I, I don't want to bother God with this right now. It's just a little minor thing. I can handle it. But I guarantee you, the minute things start to get tough, what do I do? Oh, God, help me. There ain't no shame in that. There is no shame in turning to God for help. But you know what I ought to be doing is, is doing it all the time instead of just when I feel like I need Him. And I said, I. I'm not trying to blame y'all. Put it off on you some way. I'm telling you how I do. I ought to lean on Him all the time. Because see, when you, when you trust in Him and you're expecting Him to move, it does something to your faith, doesn't it? It, it, it helps it to grow. It helps your faith to grow because, you know, I heard a pastor this morning preaching. He said, there's some people that say, can he? And there's some people that say, he can. You know, I've been both of those people. I spend, I spend a lot of time saying, can he? When I know, down deep in my spirit, I know he can. But I allow that natural, that carnal man to rise up and try to take over. And I start saying, can he? Will he? He can. He will. But I've got to give it to him. If I try to do it on my own, he's going to let me. He'll stand back and he'll just let me walk right off into the ditch. Until I say, God help me, and he'll begin to work to pull me out. 